Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Rutia, and we recorded our last podcast one week ago, uh, and since then we have one more coaching hire to talk about, Gabby. Eight down, two to go. <laughs> almost there, almost there. So, the latest coaching hire news that surfaced it's still not officially official uh but charlie strong is set to be named miami's linebacker coach um which is interesting because we had heard i don't know maybe two weeks last two weeks or so weeks i don't know days all run together but we had heard he was mainly in the mix to be a defensive ends coach um which I think his two areas of expertise are defensive ends and linebacker. Most recently, it's been linebacker, but early on in his career, it was defensive ends. So um, it is interesting. I think that he is going to be the linebacker coach. I think that means, obviously, that Kevin Steele is going to be more of a walk-around defensive coordinator, which, frankly, I'm a fan of. Um, But Gabby, let's start with just your first reaction because it kind of broke late on Friday night. I woke up to the news, right, yeah. on Saturday morning. Um, what was your first reaction when when you saw that news? My first reaction was linebackers. Like, right. I, again, like we had thought that it was possible for defensive ends. That sort of what we had been hearing, you know, earlier that week. That I mean, it, like his name wasn't surprising to me. Just because, again, I right. feel like we sort of had an idea that that was that that was possible. But um, the position coach, I guess, just because I had been told, you know, by a few different people that it seemed like Steele was going to be the linebackers coach. You know, having some of those conversations after, I think it could have been maybe a, com- a um, you know, a combination of, you know, Charlie Strong maybe wanting to coach linebackers and pushing to have that role and Kevin Steele wanting to maybe just be more of a walk around type. So. I think a few different factors contributed to that, but maybe early on in those conversations, it was more about that defensive ends and it progressed to linebackers, which is totally cool. You know, I think that's awesome. And yeah, you know, he has a sense. I mean, you have a a power five head coach, basically, you know, guy that's done it at a few big programs and, you know, he's going to be a a position coach on your defense. So I think that's a big deal, former big time defensive coordinator in the sport too. So um, definitely a fan of the hire, man. I thought that was I thought that was big. So was excited to hear that the first time. So you are obviously the recruiting guy, right? On the website inside the U. Um, what type of recruiter is Miami getting in Charlie Strong, the linebacker coach? Yeah, I think they're going to get a strong recruiter. You know, just even talking to, to Mike Roach, who does a really good job covering uh, Texas football for Horns 24-7. 
Uh, you know, he, I just really having conversations with him about, you know, Charlie Strong's tenure there and just how he was as a recruiter. It wasn't the best time in, at Texas. You know, they weren't right. winning a ton of games or anything like that. But, you know, he kind of described Charlie as one of the strongest closers in a living room that, you know, he's covered in his time, you know, in Austin, you know, covering that program. And, you know, I think that says a lot about him. He said, you know, despite the fact that they were losing, they were still stacking top classes, signed back to back top of the Big 12 classes while Charlie Strong was there. Uh, you know, he told me that if Charlie Strong didn't get fired that last year, they probably would have landed Marvin Wilson, who was a five-star defensive tackle. He ended up signing with Florida State. And maybe mm-hmm. Baron Browning, too, who was a, you know, five-star linebacker that ended up going to, to Ohio State. So, you know, there was a lot of guys in there. I mean, he signed the nation's top linebacker, Malik Jefferson. I think it was in 2016 or 2015. Um, you know, plenty of guys that he recruited uh, to Texas ended up get, being drafted. Brandon Jones, you know, Miami fans might recognize that name, one of the safeties for the Dolphins. You know, plenty of other guys that, you know, Charlie Strong was able to recruit that ended up playing in the NFL. Even at Louisville, you know, it goes back to them with Teddy Bridgewater, Eli Rogers. Uh, you know, we did it in South Florida with those guys, Keith Brown, James Burgess. Um, what's, I, I, there's a corner from a couple guys from Central, John Miller from Central, who's an offensive guard, right. still playing in the NFL today. You know, that's a guy that Charlie Strong recruited from, uh, you know, South Florida to go to Louisville with him. So, you know, I think that he's, it's a, again, he's, I guess he's kind of been out of it since he's been, you know, since he left USF, he spent the year at Alabama, then with the Jaguars. But, you know, if he puts on that recruiting cap, I think that he can get it done pretty su- successfully. Yeah. When I think of Charlie Strong as a recruiter, I, you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater. That's where my, my head goes, right? I, so inside the U was in existence and Teddy Bridgewater was a big, big deal recruit, obviously. Um, he was committed to Randy Shannon, right? Um, and Randy Shannon was fired um, during the time when Teddy would have uh, signed or early enrolled. I forget if he was early enrolled, but an early enrollee. Um, but Randy was essentially fired late November, early December. Um, and so that kind of opened up Teddy's recruitment a little bit. He did. He did, uh, you know, have some meetings with Al Golden and those meetings did not go well. Um, They didn't really click. And so Charlie Strong swooped in and took advantage of that opening and landed Teddy Bridgewater, which changed the trajectory of that Louisville program for a little bit, changed the trajectory of Charlie Strong's career. Um, I think he, he got that Texas job because he landed a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater, which is is the name of the game right uh land that type of elite talent it also changed the trajectory i would say of the miami program not saying that miami should have kept randy shannon or anything like that but one of the interesting what ifs and i'm getting off on a tangent here what are the interesting what ifs is what if miami kept randy shannon one more year so they were able to sign teddy bridgewater and teddy bridgewater was a miami hurricane Again, I'm getting off track. One thing, That's one a big interest- one though. It's interesting. Uh, one, one thing you, you talked about the recruiter um, in terms of the players uh, he was in the mix for, he landed. One thing that kind of excites me about Charlie Strong too is the footprint. And maybe this is something you can dig in on more too here in the future. But so he, he is a South Florida recruiter. He has ties in Dade County, Broward County. Uh, Texas, obviously, being the University of Texas coach. I think he's also had some success 
recruiting North Carolina, if, if I remember correctly. Um, so he's a guy, you know, similar to Mario Cristobal, right? He has developed a wide swath in terms of a footprint, national recruiting footprint. Um, and again, Miami's going to recruit more nationally in terms of, you know, trying to land those elite prospects uh, across the country while trying to also keep the top guys in South Florida home. Um, what I like about this hire, Gabby, is I think in a way, Mario Cristobal is sending a message um, that this linebacker position stuff, this linebacker uh, poor play we've seen the last two years, it's going to change. Uh, it, you know, they're throwing two veteran coaches at it and Kevin Steele, highly respected linebacker coach, highly respected defensive coordinator that has a linebacker background. Uh, Charlie strong, highly respected linebacker coach, defensive coordinator, been a head coach at the highest level. These two guys know what linebackers look like, right? Good linebackers look like, um, and it's going to take that combination, I think, to get this position group turned around quickly. Um, and one thing I, I like about it, too, is I think it's fair to say Miami is going to add at least or look to add at least one linebacker transfer uh, via the portal between now and the start of the 2022 season. Um, and I would assume having coaches like Kevin Steele and Charlie Strong on your staff would be would make Miami an attractive option for the highest caliber linebackers that enter the portal. Does that make sense to you? Oh yeah. I mean, I can imagine just, again, maybe that linebacker isn't necessarily in the portal right now, right? but we do expect another wave to come after spring ball when, you know, maybe the depth charts start to settle a little bit ahead of the summer, ahead of summer workouts. You know, there's going to be another mass exodus. There's going to be a, lot, a few more guys that maybe are going to try to give this thing one more shot, you know, throughout the spring to see how it goes. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more guys in the, in the portal and, you know, after spring and Miami goes out and grabs one of those linebackers. And like you're saying, David, one of the top ones available, because I think that you can do that now with a guy like Charlie Strong and, and Kevin Steele and really just like the buzz around the program right now. I can see it being right. a pretty attractive spot for, you know, a guy like that a guy of that caliber at a position of need for them. I think it's going to be an easy sell, right. For, sure. for, for a linebacker that has one year left to play, right. Oh, at yeah. the college level, uh, Charlie strong, just coached at the NFL level. Kevin Steele has coached at the NFL level in his past. Um, and look, I, I think too, right. Miami was considered, I think it's fair to still consider it this way, but I think it's a debate. Um, you know, I think it's a fair debate, but Miami certainly has their case, uh, that, you know, linebacker, you, right. You think of former Miami linebackers like Ray Lewis, Dan Morgan, John Vilma, Michael Barrow, John Beeson, you know, just rattling names off the top of my head. Um, you know, has, has the linebacker play been close to that recently? No, that's a very high standard. Right. Um, but I think once once it started slipping below guys like Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinkney, who were very good college linebackers, right? And we saw these last two years, we've seen the difference. Uh, 
how much things have slipped from those two guys. Uh, but it can't slip be- uh, below those two level of players. Um, you know, I think back to like when I was in school, Gabby, um, you know, the linebacker play was considered to be dipping a little bit, but it was still guys like Colin McCarthy, Rocky, Colin McCarthy, Rocky McIntosh, oh, yeah. uh, you know, Sean Spence was a little bit after I went to school there, but very good instinctual linebacker. Yeah. These defenses the last few years would kill for those, those type of oh, guys. Yeah. Um, so it just has to get back to that. Right. And Mario Cristobal understands the history of Miami and what linebacker you means and how important that position is at Miami. And I would say too, look, linebacker is a, is a position that is evolving, right? It's not the same that it was in the eighties and nineties and early two thousands, but I would argue it's still a position that's vitally important in college football. Um, because in college football, you still have to stop the run first. Um, and if you can't have linebackers that can get the job done, you're not going to have a good defense. And that's essentially what we've seen the last two years. So that's all I got there. Gabby, just moving forward with the staff, right? There's two spots left to announce or report or however you want to phrase it. Let's start with defense, right? I think it, I don't know. I think it could go either way in terms of the remaining uh, spot, whether that's a defensive ends coach to help Joe Salavea there or a nickel slash striker, however you want to categorize that hybrid position coach um, to help in the back seven. Do you, I don't know. I mean, I'll be honest. I think early, you know, a week ago, I thought it was going to be defensive ends. Now I think it could be either one. I think it's more of like a 50, 50, maybe it just boils down to the best coach for either one of those spots that Mario feels like he can land. Do you have a read on maybe which one of those you lean toward right now with the final spot? Yeah, I think I might lean defensive end. I could see it being like an outside linebacker strikers. I know that earlier yeah, and, the, and the reason I say that is because I think that they felt like they sort of had a guy, you know, or they almost locked in a guy for that defensive end right. spot, you know, where he was at, he ended up getting a title bump. So he ended up not, you know, taking the Miami job. Let's just um, say the name. Oh, you want to say the name? All right. So they thought they had Brian Williams, the defensive line coach at Maryland, uh, basically felt like, you know, they had him sort of, you know, all locked up, whatever Mike Loxley, uh, he, I think he was a co-defensive coordinator, defensive line coach. I think they stripped the co-title, gave him the full-time defensive coordinator uh, title. So he ended up obviously staying in that role just to be a defensive coordinator. Totally makes sense. But, you know, I think they felt like if Maryland didn't do that, Brian Williams would have coached defensive ends for Miami. So I think that that's probably the spot that they want to fill. Um, I, I could see it being outside linebackers now just because, again, a week ago, I, w- I thought that, you know, just from what I understood was that the linebackers coach might have just been Kevin Steele. So, I mean, I guess I could see it going either way, but I mean, I think if it were up to them, I think the defensive ends might've already been filled. So I could definitely see it being that on the defensive side. I would prefer defensive ends. Um, Cause I do think Joe Salovey might, it might be wise to get him another coach to help recruit. Um, so I think that's where I would go. Would you agree with that? With defensive ends, yeah, I would I would probably go with defensive ends too. Again, yeah, just, just not, it's not a knock against Joe Salavea, but you know, I think I also think just 
edge rusher is such a premium position. And, you know, we, Miami didn't get a ton of production from that spot last year. Uh, so I think it would, I think it's worth investing that extra time into just like specifically the edge rushers and having those guys, you know, sort of get coached up by, you know, a, a, a you know, a guy that's done it before that has experience doing so. So, um, and from what I understand, I think DeMarcus Van Dyke could help without help out with like the nickels and stuff like that. I know he's not going to have an on-field role, but you know, those analysts are, you know, helping out during practice and stuff like that. So um, I think that they have some sort of plan of how to sort of, you know, work out the, you know, nickel striker type of deal. Um, so, you know, I think there's a couple different ways that they can approach this, but I mean, I, I would prefer that they just go out and get a defensive end coach if that's on the table. And Brian Williams would have been a good fit. Uh, oh, for sure. He's a young up and comer. Yeah. Very good recruiter too. He had South Florida ties. Yeah, so. uh, he, he landed Terrence Lewis uh, right. at Maryland. You know, he ended right. up transferring to UCF, but still that, that, that was a big recruiting win for him. Absolutely. So we'll see. Uh, maybe our next podcast that we record next week, we'll talk about another coaching hire, uh, hopefully. Maybe two. Um, and then, of course, obviously, offensive side. They still have to announce or hire who their tight ends coach is going to be. Um, so I don't really have much on that. Um, so we'll just find out together, I guess. <laughs> so with that, uh, let's take a break. And on the other side, we will discuss the Miami Under Armour camp. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we are back on... Sunday, Gabby, you were out there all day uh, for the Miami Under Armour camp. Some good talent out there. You got some good sun, sunshine on, on, yeah. the, on the dome, on the face. Oh, yeah. Looking, looking tan. Um, I wasn't able to make it out there, uh, but thankfully Gabby was. So I will let him lead the discussion here, as always, with recruiting stuff. Um, so let's start here. Let's, 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 um, divide this into two different areas, right? Let's start with top performers, just guys who impressed you with their abilities. And then after that, we'll kind of get into like the recruiting buzz, recruiting scoop that you picked up, you know, talking to guys while you were out there. So, um, you know, Mario Cristobal line of scrimmage, offensive line guy. So let's start there. Um, which give me an offensive lineman or two that that stood out to you. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with just who we at 24-7 Sports named as the alpha dog of the tournament. That's uh, Lucas Simmons, uh, originally from Sweden. I think he's only been playing, like, organized football for two years. He now plays at that Clearwater Academy uh, International um, over in the Tampa area. They just produced Isaiah Hastings, who signed with Alabama. So, you know, that's a big-time spot for some of the, you know, those guys out of the country. I mean, I thought he was really, really good, man. He looks to be like a legit six foot seven. Apparently, has like a seven foot four wingspan. Um, just wow. looked really athletic, honestly. I mean, the lower half probably looks a little bit more developed than the top half, but you know, had really nice feet. Seemed really fluid the way he was moving around, and I thought he was one of the more impressive, you know, offensive linemen during one on ones. Um, he had a little bit of a do- a little bit of dog in him, which was really cool to see too. You know, there was a. There was an, a guy that, you know, over Derek Kearney, who's a top 247 interior offensive lineman, was trying to get some run at right tackle. Lucas Simmons, well, he was trying to push Lucas Simmons inside, and Lucas Simmons was just not having it. Eventually sort of won that war and ended up getting Derek Kearney pushed to the inside, where he looked really good, by the way. But, you know, Lucas Simmons definitely, you know, battled for that. And then even during one-on-ones, you saw him get chirpy and stuff like that. So typically maybe an international guy you would think like you know where they at sort of mentally in that aspect um and you know i definitely saw some fight from him i think he said floor i mean i guess we'll get into the recruiting stuff but you know i think that he's someone that you know miami should definitely uh you know take advantage of and you know just try to recruit he was on campus uh in january for that elite prospect day so he was definitely someone that that stood out to me and i mean yeah how about the athleticism could you tell, like, can he play left tackle or is he going to be a right tackle, you think? I mean, he could probably, he could probably play, I, I could see him being a left tackle. You know, he's definitely got the long arms and his feet move. Like he's really, really good just moving around his feet. I was, you know, we have a, one of our, one of the more recent hires at 247, uh, Cooper Patagna. He's a former personnel guy that, you know, I've had the chance to hang out with a few times now, just kind of running into him at a few tournaments. He was down at Miami too. And I was kind of standing next to him while Lucas Simmons was going through some drills and he was explaining to me the purpose of them and you know what we're what they're looking for from a scouting perspective that's something i'm trying to get better at so i was literally just sitting there picking his brain and uh you know we watched lucas simmons go through this drill where basically the offensive lineman crab walk like kind of lay on their belly get up shuffle side to side move the back pedal and go forward and you know just sort of watching him move around there like you know that was almost like that alone is something that maybe sealed up the alpha dog thing for uh, for Cooper. So, you know, that was definitely something that was impressive to watch and especially watching the rest of the offensive line. It seemed like he just moved around differently and to see that at his size, you know, with his stature, um, again, maybe the body needs more physical development, especially on the upper sure. half, but watching him Thumbs. sort of move around was, was, was impressive. I could definitely see him being maybe a potential left tackle. All right. So we'll get into his recruiting stuff here in a little bit. Let's, let's stay on the O-line though. You mentioned Roderick Kearney. Um, He's out of Orange Park, Florida, which is like the Jacksonville area. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious on your take. Is, is In your opinion, is he a tackle, like a right tackle, or is he an interior guy? I think he's an interior guy, man. He looked really good on the inside. And, you know, he, again, he lined up right inside of, of Lucas Simmons. And, uh, you know, I thought he looked really sort of at home there. Uh, he looked really comfortable there. He probably will play tackle in high school just because he's probably going to sure. be one of the bigger guys out there. But just looking at him neck, like compared to like a guy like Simmons, maybe closer to six three ish. So you know, I mean, I thought he was really good. Probably the one of the more intriguing matchups of the day. I mean, at least high level matchups was uh, Roderick Kearney against uh, top two four seven defensive lineman John Walker. They were sort of going at it. I felt like they split wins there. You know, they went, they each went uh, one one, lost one. 
So, um, you know, I thought he looked really good, though. You know, just thinking of interior guys that are athletic, that look like they could sort of get it done. I mean, he's someone that I look at as, you know, a potential guy. And, uh, you know, I, again, if I'm Miami, I, he's someone I, I definitely give a look to. I know that they do like him and, and stuff like that. So not saying that they aren't pushing, but I think that he's, uh, he's definitely someone who impressed me. So they haven't necessarily pushed or established much of a contact yet. Is that fair to say? Yeah, they, he said that they're talking like twice a week, that he, that he has some contact with Alex Mirabal, but it doesn't sound like maybe they pushed for a visit or okay. anything like that or just made him that sort of top priority type, I guess. I know they're going national with yes. offensive linemen, yeah. so it's not necessarily a knock on him, but I think they have some other guys that maybe they have a little higher on the board, but he's someone I'd definitely explore. And who is who is he hearing from hardest from the? Yeah, most? I mean, he, he showed up in a Florida State shirt wearing okay. a Florida State wristbands. Uh, I think people feel like Florida State's in a good spot. I right. think he said Alabama and Georgia are starting to sort of kick the tires. He also mentioned UCF and Arkansas. So okay. um, a, a few a few schools definitely in the mix. I think Florida's in there too. Let's go to the other side of the line of scrimmage. You you brought him up a little bit. John Walker, the defensive tackle, top two four seven guy, um, out of Osceola Kissimmee. Um, Six three three ten, D tackle again. So what what did he show you uh, ability wise out there at the camp? Yeah, he was he was good. Um, you know we have him in the top two four seven. I think there's sort of split opinions on you know exact how exactly he should be rated. Um, you know I'm Why? not. What's like, he missing? I don't know. I mean he's not like the biggest guy. I think we have him listed at six three three ten. I'm not sure if he's that. Okay. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if he's actually six uh, six three. Um, he, he was good. And again, definitely has like some dog in him, but just sort of watching him move around. Um, you know, I guess we're kind of spoiled with this lot with the 2022 class, like defensive line class and the way that some of those guys moved around and just sort of looked. So maybe it's unfair of me to even like compare it to some of those guys, but, um, you know, I just felt like maybe the, you know, how's he compare to like Ahmad Moten? I feel like maybe similar. I feel like, you know, I feel like that's a, I feel like he's closer to, Ahmad Moten then you know, let's say like Zane Durant, another central, central Florida prospect, uh, you know, from the 2022 class. Like, for example, I, I think Zane Durant is a much better prospect yeah, than maybe John Walker is. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, maybe he doesn't have like the prototypical NFL body or anything like that. But, you know, looking at Zane Durant last summer, um, you know, at Miami walking around in, in June, you know, just after he had had that workout for Jeff Simpson and all that compared to like what John Walker was look, looked like, you know, I guess in February. Um, I mean, I, I would lean Zane Durant probably every single time. His teammate. And that's not to say, yeah, I mean, John Walker, I, th- I still think he's a good prospect, you know, and again, there's people really high yeah. on him and, you know, he has a frame where he could, you know, develop at the next level and all that and all that good stuff. But um, just, I, I feel like I have some concerns, nothing like crazy. I still think he could be a high level power five player, just, you I know. think you're saying he's, I think he's ranked like number 101 or something like that in the country. Yeah. I think you're probably saying he's a four star, but probably not that, not yeah. number 101. I don't, yeah, country. exactly. I don't think he's a top 100 or so player in the country. No, I, okay. don't, I don't think so. Derek LeBlanc, his teammate, um, has an impressive body type that he's still filling out. Uh, what did you think of what he showed? Yeah, I, I mean, I think Derek, Le- Derek LeBlanc is another guy. I mean, definitely showed some explosiveness, was definitely the highest-ranked player out there. Um, showed, showed a lot of really good things. I mean, a guy that, you know, I think Miami absolutely needs to land this cycle. 
again, I feel like it's hard because we at, at this same event last year is when we saw Nigel e. Kelly sort of, you know, his coming out party where he just sort of, you know, ran through, you know, the one-on-ones and just, you know, everyone with eyeballs could tell that he was the best guy out there. Um, you know, he didn't necessarily perform to that level. He didn't necessarily just like, wow, everybody didn't do anything that was just like, you know, he had a, he had a couple good rep wins and, you know, wins he should have had, um, you know, lost ones that he maybe shouldn't have lost. Um, so, you know, again, we, I think we have him at the, as a number 12 overall player in the country. Not sure about that, but I do think considering what Florida has at defensive line in the class of 2023, uh, you know, definitely someone Miami needs to prioritize and sort of get on campus again, a solid lower half, maybe not as physically developed as you would like. But I mean, I think when you get him into a college system, he's going to be a guy that can make plays to you on Saturday. So, you know, definitely excited about him. Um, but again, I think when the rankings come out, there might be some shuffling and it's not a bad thing. You know, it's good to always get eyes on these guys because yeah, I think you get to evolves. actually see him get, get to work and stuff like that. But Derek LeBlanc, uh, you know, probably had uh, the best day of any of the defensive linemen. And, uh, you know, I thought he, was, he, I thought he was impressive. In your opinion, is he, and this is projecting, but is he a, an inside guy or can he play on the edge? I think in a perfect world, like in like with my what Miami's trying to do, for example, I think he'd be probably be more of an inside guy. He was playing off the edge, uh, you know, in this sort of situation, in this, uh, I guess, in this setting. And I guess for some, he could be a, a big edge, I guess. But I would probably like to see him kick inside okay. and, uh, you know, get after it from there. And his size, I mean, he's what, 6'4", six, 6'5"? Six, yeah, he's probably like, yeah, he's probably like six, I would say 6'4". Okay. He's got he's got a good lower half too, and that's another reason why I'd probably like him inside too. He's like thick, like you know, right. from the waist down and all that stuff. Like he's got a he's he's definitely got some thickness to him. So um, you know, I, I think his upper half is probably again where he probably needs to be more physically developed and all that stuff. But I mean, that bottom half is is impressive, and that's why I just think even as an inside guy, that's probably where he can, you know, create a lot of just do a lot of damage there. Let's discuss um Skill players, let's go offense first. Uh, Richard Young, running back out of Lehigh in the Fort Myers area. Um, I think, you know, these camps are tough, I think, to really judge running backs because yeah. it's such a physical position. Right. You got you to have pads on, in my opinion, to judge running backs thoroughly. But you can still tell things with, with size-speed combination cutting ability, all that stuff. How did Richard Young check out in, in that regard, in your opinion? Yeah, no, I mean, Richard Young, I mean, you, he's kind of like, you know, you watch him in the cutoff sleeves and all that, and all that stuff with the, that the Under Armour gives out. And man, he definitely passes the eye test. I mean, this is a guy that's just completely like, super rocked up. You know, I think that when you're looking at the running backs across the country, I'm not sure that there's many that are going to look better than uh, you know, Richard Young does working out, um, you know, this is an opportunity, like a lot of this stuff for the running backs, it's not a lot of handoff stuff. It's a lot of, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. Right. And I think that's probably the next step in Richard Young's development is becoming more of the, you know, to what is today considered maybe a complete back. You see right. a lot of like the, you know, the Austin Ecklers, the Alvin Kamara's, those guys right. that can just do so much in the passing game as well. I think that's somewhere where that Richard Young maybe just needs to get better. And again, okay. we're not, I didn't see him running through, you know, defensive linemen and linebackers in this. I'm sure he would have been fantastic. And I'm not even saying he was bad on Sunday at all. 
I do, yeah. you can just tell like when you're Spikes talking the about a little elite, bit. Yeah. We're just talking about the elite, elite running backs, you know, being nitpicky uh, right. and all that stuff. I think that's probably, you know, if he's able to add that to his game, I mean, we're talking about, you know, one of those guys we're going to be talking about, you know, for the next three, four years, you know, at the next level, wherever he decides to go. Wide receiver. Uh, you got to see Miami commit Andy Jean. Yeah. Um, how'd he look out there? Yeah, he's a smooth route runner, man. I feel like that's one of the things that that always stands out about him. You know, he can definitely, you know, just watching him sort of run in and out of his breaks is always nice. Um, kind of did those little like stutter things that, you know, you'd probably like to see less of in terms of just like in pads that probably wouldn't right. fly. Um, right. You know, certain things like that, that maybe in this setting are nice and pretty, but you'd kind of want to see less of it when, you know, the lights are on on a Friday night or Saturday night. But, you know, I think he does a really good job creating space, you know, creating separation. He's quick. He's crafty. He, he really does run some pretty routes. You know, I saw him beat uh, Alabama safety commit Elliott Washington on a route where he just kind of made, he just kind of stopped on a dime and just, you know, gave himself a shot to make, uh, make a play, ran past the, you know, one of those corners for a long touchdown on the other side of the field that I know Andrew Ivan's got a clip of over there. So, you know, I thought I was impressed by him. I thought he was pretty sure-handed, watched him just, you know, just, catch you know balls out in front of him catch balls that were maybe overthrown a little bit out of bounds that you know he was able to just you know again create separation I saw that was probably one of the bigger takeaways from him is just how much space he had between him and the defender so um encouraged by some of the things I saw from him I've seen him a bunch just about the seven on seven stuff but against other people it it looked pretty nice I guess another receiver that impressed was Eugene Wilson uh sounds like a slot guy 5'10 uh, out of Tampa Gaither High School, I think he had like 925 receiving yards last season. Um, what impressed you about what he showed? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a guy that's about to blow up. I mean, Alabama and Georgia just offered. Um, you know, it's kind of like, all right, let's see this kid in person and all that stuff. And you know, I didn't know who he was. I didn't really have a number for him. I wasn't necessarily tracking him, but it just became like you know, very evident at one point that this yeah. one kid, number nine, was just making everyone look pretty silly you know, kind of go back to the roster and it's him. I mean, just has like incredible footwork, um, you know, just kind of watching him glide around there was just really, really impressive. Yeah. Maybe more of a slot. And I know we talked about the South Florida receivers, but really, I mean, you talk to Andrew Ivins and all that stuff. It's, it's really across the sunshine state. There's a lot of guys out there and, you know, Eugene Wilson, I mean, his dad's a two time Super Bowl champion with the new, right. with the new England Patriots uh, man. He looked really, really good. And, you know, again, talking to slot guys, I mean, I think it would be, wise you know if Miami wanted to go that direction to sort of try to get in now because it feels like a lot of programs are gonna start realizing who this kid is pretty soon so I was gonna ask you how does he compare because the South Florida guys right we all know Brandon Ennis Nathaniel Joseph Robbie Washington where would you rank them I guess how would you rank those four receivers yeah I mean I think it's tough again this probably I've seen those guys so many times and maybe him just just the one time in, in a few reps um, you know, I think he could be on like that, maybe Robbie Washington sort of level in terms of just, of just like the, the quickness and, you know, like the short area quickness, you know, the explosiveness, like the quick takeoff and all that stuff. Um, I'm not sure how, you know, how all that gets sorted out, but I think he is comparable to those guys. I don't think those guys are on a different level than him. You know, I think that he could potentially be up there with them. And, you know, I was okay. super impressed by him and yeah, not the biggest, uh, maybe five ten ish, but man, he just he just looked really good out there. And then I guess there was a guy who Miami prefers as a defensive lineman, 
but he was working out at tight end Isaiah Nixon, who is out of St. Petersburg Lakewood high school. Um, What did he show at tight end? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I have, he looks like a guy that could have come out. I think if he was actually working out with the defensive lineman, he would have been one of the you know prettier looking guys out there. So kind of disappointed we didn't get to really see see that. You know, he did show some good things. You know, working out at tight end, made some contested catches and all those things. But I mean, just sort of looking at him, it feels like his future's on the defensive line. Um, you know, just even talking to you know, like asking him about Miami and all that stuff, and he doesn't have does have an offer. Joe Salavea is talking to him about playing tight end. So it's just like, you know, I think the writing sort of on the wall there about where Miami views him, but I think he's an impressive looking guy. I mean, six foot four, 215 pounds ish around there. Um, I, I thought he was, I thought he was okay, you know, running around tight end, but I think that his future would probably be better at, at defensive line. I didn't really see him there and all that stuff, but the defensive stuff, um, you know, that he did at Lakewood this past year, got a pretty deep late uh, playoff run uh, Lakewood did. Right. Um, it's pretty impressive. So, um, yeah, I think the tight end stuff too, but he just saw Amari Nye black go to Alabama playing tight end. So maybe it could be some influence about, you know, how that position works out. And then Dijon Johnson is a lengthy corner out of Tampa Wharton high school that impressed you. Yeah. I really like him. I just like his demeanor too. Just, you know, here watching him interact with the coaches, he was very, yes, sir. Um, you know, never one of those guys that was, you know, kind of, you know, just kind of like, you know, Hey, like wandering around or anything. He seemed, you know, pretty intentional about getting reps. This is a guy that Alabama really likes. I mean, they're going to get him on campus on March 5th. Uh, really just liked his demeanor, just like his aggressiveness on the ball. Uh, you know, as a, as a corner guy, like he's one of those guys that Eugene Wilson sort of got the best of, but you know, after he lost the rep, you know, kind of like dapped him up, like, you know, good, like, you know, good route, all that stuff. And, you know, I, I he seemed like a guy that, you know, you would kind of want to work with. You have to have a short memory as a corner, it seemed like he's one of those guys and then just physically just looked really impressive. So, you know, I know he's a guy Miami really likes. They're trying to get him on campus too. And, uh, you know, Dejon Johnson is someone that was, that definitely passed the eye test for me. Did he have any matchups with Andy Jean that you remember? Not that I saw. There was like guys were flipping on the two yeah. halves of the field. So I guess it's possible they matched up. Um, I think those, all that stuff comes out on like the UC report, which I don't know if you have access to. I'd like to know that. I'm not sure if we have access to the UC report. But, um, you know, all that stuff will come out there. So uh, it's, it's, it's possible that, that they did at one point. I went and looked at his high school tape, Dijon Johnson's, and it was impressive. Um, I liked his awareness a lot. To me, his strength looks like, uh, you know, and I don't think this is a bad thing, just the type of player he is. He's very good at off coverage, so zone coverage type of guy. Um, that's best when his eyes are on the quarter quarterback uh, when he's in coverage and he has good instincts can go go make plays on the ball pretty good impress um but i can definitely see why he's a guy that's going to be on the rise he's lengthy um picks off a lot of passes in his highlight tape so um, and it comes from the same school that produced vernon hargraves the third so some cornerback history there so uh let's get into this the recruiting scoop right um Derek LeBlanc, let's start there. Uh, the defensive lineman out of Osceola Kissimmee High School. Um, what do we need to know there? Yeah, um, found out that he was like born in Miami-Dade County. Says he was from Opelika. Uh, had no, did not know that. You know, checked in with some sources, and apparently his dad worked at a hospital in North Miami Beach. Um, so 
family spent plenty of time down here. It comes from a, you know, a Haitian family. And, you know, I think Miami feels like they connect with those guys, uh, you know, really well there. Uh, he's coming very close to a commitment is kind of being, you know, not really saying when it's going to happen, kind of saying he's going to catch everybody off guard, but, you know, did, it sounds like a decision will be coming pretty soon. sounds like he's still going to go through the process though. He talked about visiting Miami in March. Uh, he said potentially March uh, 19th for a spring practice. Uh, I think, you know, a couple other schools are going to get him on campus too. He was talking about official visits. He knows Miami, um, Miami, Oklahoma, Penn state are three schools that he knows are, are going to get official visits. I think he'll be at Florida March 5th. And I think UCF also. And um, so I think, I do think Miami's firmly in the mix here. So I think that's a, a, a positive coming out of that. If he does commit, you know, relatively soon, would you, as, and again, this doesn't mean anything this time of year, would you assume it's Ohio state? I wouldn't No, I mean, I feel like okay. the, I feel like the buzz coming out of, you know, the Under Armour Miami camp is potentially Miami or Florida could be one of the first schools okay. to, you know, could be the schools to pick up that, that commitment. And again, you kind of have to be aware of, you know, it's still early in the process and still plenty of time. So I think regardless, even if it's Miami that were to pick up his commitment, I think that this recruitment at the end of the day is far from over. So could be a good, a good, nice early addition to the class for Miami. Regardless, I think they're still going to continue to recruit him. So, um, you know, I guess we just got to wait and see what happens there. Peyton Kirkland, uh, big, big, big frame offensive yeah. lineman out of Dr. Phillips, right? In Orlando. Yeah. First off, just how did he look? How did he perform? Yeah, you know, he's he's definitely a big, big, big body, man. I saw him during – he was the first person I saw when I got out of my car on Sunday morning, and he's just a massive human being. He was working at tackle some. I mean, he just kind of swallows guys, you know. He's just so yeah. much bigger than some of the guys. He didn't get matched up against, like, a Derek LeBlanc or, you know, I would have loved to have seen that. Um, he was kind of matched up with some of the other, you know, you know, defensive linemen that were there 2024 out of Belen. He's one of the guys that, you know, he matched up with that. He just sort of, you know, dominated. Um, so I thought he looked okay. You know, watching him move around. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I imagine as a guy, as a, a guy, his size, he, he, I think he moves around pretty well for, you know, the weight that he carries and, you know, just his stature. So, you know, I, I think he potentially could be a guard. I don't know if that's like a hot take. But from I don't yeah, think he has yeah. like the longest arms. I could see him being a guy that maybe potentially moves to the inside um, at one point. Yeah. Which is fine, right? Uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. What's the latest with his re recruiting? Yeah, I think Georgia's going to get him on campus. Um, soon. I think he said Georgia's the next school that's going to get, or maybe Florida's going to be the next school that gets him on campus. He's going to spend a couple days at Georgia in April. He said Georgia's one of the schools that are definitely getting an official visit kind of hinted to me that Miami is a second school that's definitely going to get one, but also mentioned that Alabama, Michigan State, uh, and Oklahoma, and maybe even Florida are a couple schools that, um, you know, he's also considering for those official visits. I don't think he has anything set up with Miami yet for the spring, but, you know, he did say that Miami's doing a really good job recruiting his mom. That's someone that's extremely important to him throughout in this recruiting process is, you know, when I talked to him after Elite Prospect Day, he said that, you know, Alex Mirabal, Mario Cristobal basically didn't leave his mom's side, you know, that they made her feel very, very comfortable and at home. I think that's something really important. I know Miami's doing a really good, good job doing that. He was telling me that they're FaceTiming her while she's cooking dinner and things like that. You know, the whole staff will send her a couple messages a day. So I think Miami's doing what they got to do to, you know, make sure that they remain, you know, in the thick of this. And uh, I believe that they are firmly in the mix there. 
if I made you pick out a team that's, you know, in your opinion, standing out, is it Georgia? I think it would be Georgia. Um, you know, I think that uh, there's a lot of intrigue with them being the national champions. He had really good things to say about Matt Luke. He called him one of the top, five, a top five offensive line coach uh, in the country, you know, that they've been one of the best at producing offensive linemen. So, you know, this is, this is what happens when you win a national championship. You get a lot of guys uh, interested. Again, Georgia is going to have their pick of the litter as well. Just Peyton Kirkland pick, fall into that mix for them potentially. Uh, but I think, I think if, Georgia really, really wants them. I think that they could potentially be tough to beat. How about John Walker? Uh, again, Derek LeBlanc's teammate. Is yeah. Miami in the mix there? Are they trying to get involved with him? Yeah, I actually asked him that. I was like, you know, has Miami done a good job sort of climbing back into the into the picture for you? And he told me, yeah, you know, I think that Miami is in there. He said that, you know, kind of has three of his official visits sort of made up in his mind, and that's, that's going to be to Michigan, to Ohio State, and to USC – um, I do think Miami's in the mix to sort of get one of them as well. That's at least what he told me. But, you know, he was talking about how, you know, he thinks it's really cool that Mario Cristobal speaks Spanish. I guess John Walker maybe has some family members that speak Spanish. Um, he likes that he's a, a trench guy and, you know, had really good things to say about Joe Salavea and, um, you know, a few of the other uh, defensive staffers that have been involved in the recruiting process for Miami as well. So, um, you know, I think that they're doing a really good job communicating with him and talking with him and, Again, they weren't really in the mix before, but I think that elite prospect, they maybe put them back into the mix. And I think even since then, you know, the, he has sort of continued to build that relationship with Miami. So I do think they're in there. From what I understand, Miami really likes him too. So um, definitely a, a name to know uh, in the, on the interior defensive line for them. Do him and him and LeBlanc care about playing together at all? I, I don't think they're a package deal type of thing. I mean, nothing that, I mean, nothing that either one of them said, them said hinted to me that they would be. I'm sure they're great friends and all that stuff, but I don't think it's, I don't think they're trying to do that thing where they are going to the same school yeah. together regardless. You know how that goes. I feel like a lot of people will even say that earlier in the process. And, sure. you know, when the dust settles, it's almost, it's kind of tough to make that happen. Definitely. Uh, Richard Young, what, what's Miami standing there? Cause he's a guy that yeah. everyone in the country wants the five-star running back. Yeah, I mean, he was talking about how good of a relationship he has with, with Kevin Smith dating back to his time at Ole Miss. And, you know, once he made the move to Miami, that sort of opened the door for them. He never really came to Miami prior to that, even with the previous staff. So I think Kevin Smith, again, just gave Miami more of an in in that recruitment. He doesn't have anything planned for the spring for Miami, but said that he would probably be back in the summer. I'm sure plenty of other schools, I think Oklahoma is going to get him on campus sometime in the spring. Um, I know Alabama, you know, the typical schools that we've talked about with him, Alabama, Ohio State in the mix, Clemson as well. You know, I think it came out recently that he is friends with Arch Manning in one for, in one way or another, and he's sort of tracking what Arch Manning's doing. So, you know, it could be one of those things where he wants to go play with an elite quarterback and Arch Manning could be the guy that he's sort of, you know, potentially tying himself to, which, you know, isn't a bad idea. So, um, you know, that could definitely be a situation to monitor as well. You've already hinted a little bit, but Dijon Johnson, the, the corner out of Tampa area, um, Miami is trying to get involved there. Yeah, I, I think they are. You know, I, he said that he has a really good relationship with Demarcus Van Dyke, uh, Jamil Dye, and uh, Mario Cristobal. They had a FaceTime call with him on Friday. You know, just kind of telling him how excited they were about him. You know, trying to get him on campus. He doesn't have much mapped out for the spring. I think outside of Alabama on the fifth. So I think it's, I think there's a good chance that, 
you know, Miami gets him on campus at some point, you know, in March or April, or just, you know, over the course of spring practice, whenever that contact period sort of open. So, you know, that's someone I definitely watch out for just kind of keep in the back of your mind that could potentially visit. I, I think we said it on the last podcast. It seems like it's going to be a revolving door for the yeah. spring, no big, no single big event. Like some of these other schools are doing for March 5th or whatever it is. So Miami's just going to try to get guys in and create more intimate you know, recruiting settings. And I think he's someone that could eventually make it through those doors. And then quarterback, uh, an intriguing, intriguing name worked out there. Marcus Stokes, who I think 24 seven has him as a four star, but the composite still has him as a three star. He's out of Nice high school in the Jacksonville area. Um, 2,600 yards, 22 touchdowns, nine interceptions last year, ran for almost 500 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, first let's just talk about his ability. Cause we didn't get into that yeah. in the earlier section. What, let me just say it like that. What, what was his best trait? If you had to pick one trait out, what, what impressed you most about what he can do on the field? Yeah. I mean, I just think his arm strength, I mean, they're running through some of the, of like the bag drills where like the quarterback throws it to the closest bag, then throws it to the outside bag, the middle bag, the far, you know, the, you know, the corner bag and then the deep bag and all that stuff. And he was a lot of quarterbacks were even like barely reaching the far bag. And uh, you know, he was sort of hitting everything. He was actually hitting the bags. A lot of quarterbacks were missing the bag to the left to the right over. He was pretty money on that. You know, he did a, I thought he was just overall the best quarterback out there. His arm strength definitely stood out. Definitely has some like swag to him, you know, just kind of like the way he walks around, like the music's playing and he's sort of dancing, you know, catching balls one handed and all that stuff. You know, I thought that he was just kind of like one of those guys that it's just like, all right, like, let's see what you got going on here. And then watching him rip it, uh, you know, he can definitely throw it in. So I think he's an intriguing one there. Um, I thought he was the best quarterback out there. You know, a couple other good guys are out there. You know, Austin Simmons is a lefty quarterback from Pahokee that I thought was pretty good. A couple other dudes out there as well. Um, but Stokes is a guy that I think Miami's sort of doing their homework on. I know he had a FaceTime call. He said with Coach Gaddis, with Frank Pons, and with Alex Mirabal, and that he has another call set up with them to potentially set up a visit here for the spring sometime. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see whether Miami actually pulls the trigger on the offer. Uh, Penn State was the first to offer in January and uh, Virginia Tech and Indiana followed them up recently. He thinks that Cincinnati and Tennessee, Cincinnati, Tennessee and Miami are potentially close to offering too. So, um, you know, a chance that that Stokes is a guy that continues to rise throughout the spring and uh, into the summer. So let's see if Miami maybe wants to get eyes on him before they decide that, you know, they want to go ahead and move forward with an offer. So you've seen Dante Moore, right, at a seven on. How would you compare the two? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's – I don't want to, like, go too crazy with <laughs> that because, I mean, Dante Moore, his film is really good and all that stuff, and he's done great things over there. And, you know, I really did only watch him on that Sunday, which was basically one and done for him. Right. So, and that one game, he just didn't look very good. So, um, I don't want to, like, jump to any of those conclusions uh, with such a small sample size, I guess. But I think Stokes – is someone I'm intrigued by, you know, I think if, if, you know, if he was someone that Miami decided to move forward with and, you know, go ahead and offer, like you can, I, I think you could sell me on that after watching him again. I feel like with the quarterback, there needs to be a certain way that you carry yourself. There needs to, you need to have a certain mentality. And, uh, you know, he has sort of, a, I think he has a little bit of that 
maybe not to the level of Jake Garcia, but you know how Jake Garcia just has like a natural swag to him. I think Marcus Stokes has a little bit of that. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, again, someone I can, that you could potentially sell me on if, uh, you know, let's say you couldn't get a Dante Moore or a Nico Iyama Levea or, and we're one of those top, top guys. Yeah. Just watching his high school film. Um, he does push the ball downfield, which of course I like, um, I will say, and this is nitpicky, I think, I don't know, uh, little, he gets stuck on his first read a lot, um, which he needs to improve at, you know, at the college level. Uh, but definitely like you're saying the physical, the big arm, I think that does show off, show up on the film. Um, definitely a guy that would develop, you know, give a coach something to develop and mold. Um, so I'd be intrigued as well. Um, if he's the guy that this staff ultimately decides to land on. Um, before we get out of here, is there anything else under armor you want to touch on? Um, I think that's pretty much it. Okay. I mean, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. Before we get out of here, before we, uh, started this podcast, you put up an update, a quick update, um, on a transfer portal target to know, uh, for Miami. I guess he entered the portal since our last podcast last week. Yeah. What do we need to know there? Who is it? What do we need to know? Yeah. So um, the name to know is Daryl Porter Jr. He's a West Virginia transfer, uh, played, you know, played a lot of snaps at wide corner for the Mountaineers in 2021, uh, entered the portal. I guess it was probably not even a week ago now. Um, Miami's a school that's definitely involved. He was, uh, he played at Plantation American Heritage, so a South Florida guy. Um, his father, Daryl Porter Sr., played for five years in the NFL. Um, he's uh, So, you know, I think that, again, he's someone that schools are sort of giving a look to. Miami's definitely one of them. Uh, I talked to his dad, Daryl Porter Sr. He told me Oklahoma, LSU, and Florida State are a couple are a few more schools that, you know, he mentioned by name but said that there is a group of like 10 to 15 who have expressed interest. So, um, you know, uh, definitely a name to know for Miami fans that's in the portal now can't enroll in the spring because right. that window is already closed. So this would have to be a summertime addition for whatever school that he goes to. He's so he's finishing up, well, not finishing up. He's taking online classes, but is in South Florida working out with, uh, you know, Sony Michelle and Khalil Herbert and a couple more of those heritage guys that are playing in the NFL. So, um, you know, definitely a situation to monitor. And yeah, I did post that update on inside the U um, not long ago. So definitely go check that out. Appreciate you, Gabby. Good stuff as always. Um, yeah, we'll react to news. Um, so if coaching news happens this week, we will definitely hop back on the podcast. Um, I know I said our next, this podcast would be a mailbag edition. Probably push that back to next Monday. So we'll start a thread sometime on the weekend and we will answer questions. So... Again, appreciate everyone who listens and enjoys this podcast. Your support means so much to us. And until next time, take care.